from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am one of the myriad of hosts of this multifaceted, multi-dimensional, multi—I don't know—non-Euclidean, non-Euclidean. Thank you, Gretchen. Would you uh, say you have a plethora of co-hosts? I would. Yes. Do oh, are there more than the three of us? <laughs> I don't know. There can be. I mean, <laughs> time and space, who knows? I mean, there there could be a multiverse where it's just three Gretchens. Oh, I hope not. Only one Gretchen. <laughs> I, I was making a three amigos reference. <laughs> Did you say I have a plethora of presents? <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, uh, yeah, welcome everyone to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's me, D.B. Spitzer, Gretchen Brooks, and Dave the Animal Steel. I mean, Dave, uh, the Farmer Dave Heath. How's it going, everyone? It is well. It's good. 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 Glad to hear. Glad to hear. So we've all had some fairly eventful last few days, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the, the, the middle bit there. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about Chubnigroth today, and also uh, we're gonna be talking about Angel's Egg in the third part of the show, and that is Gretchen's choice. So yeah, we'll be talking about that. And if you don't know what Angel's Egg is, you can check it out on face on 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 YouTube right now. It's free to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, then you can be part of the discussion. All right. So Daily Motion also and, has a better copy. Oh, good to know. Good to and, know. And, and if you don't know anything about it, that's okay because I watched it and I still don't know about it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get into that in the third part. But yes. up first, hey everyone, hope you're doing well. We're talking about Shub Nagurath. A uh, deity created by H.P. Lovecraft, the black goat of the woods with a thousand young, 
Lord of the Wood, Whisper in Darkness. <laughs> Actually, no, Whisper in Darkness is something else. Anyway, uh, and also apparently a band. But uh, yeah. What are your thoughts, everyone? Well, the only information I have about her, other than than what you've already said, as far as her name and whatnot, is that she's like a she's like an Earth deity, they think, or like an Earth goddess type character or yeah. creation, and she is supposed to be as tall as uh, Mount Fuji. Okay, <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> I mean, I have not read um, Whisper in the Darkness. I I started to read it and. Um, it was, that's a that's a dry story, y'all. Yeah, it is. It, it Gosh. really is. It, 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 it may be one, one of those that's easier to listen to. Yeah, I that's I did that too. That's where I mean by read it. <laughs> that was it was it was a little that's a little on the drier side. Not quite as adventurous as our last our last story. No, 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 no. And I I do have to say, if anything, uh, Whisper in Darkness, the 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 movies fun to watch okay see that i'll have to check out i have not seen the is it like a short or something like that it is a uh dark adventure radio theater production oh it's uh yeah it's 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 a talkie even now see that i have to see because i i really (laughs) like everything they seem to do um i didn't know that it was actually like not a audio version it's a video Mm -hmm. correct yeah 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 i highly recommend it and the Migo, uh, with their mechanical voices, speak of Shab Nigoroth. Yeah. So, so that's one thing about Shab Nigoroth. Mm-hmm. First of all, it dawned on me when we were researching for this. Correct. She, we, we consider her a feminine deity. She's mm-hmm. considered a fertility goddess. Lovecraft never uses the word goddess. No, and she she only appears. She doesn't appear like like Narlahotep or uh, you know uh, any of the other Yogg-Sagoth. Even his deities, Lovecraft could not write women. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's assumed that uh, she's a woman because of the fact that um, she's the black goat of the woods with a thousand young? So this is my theory. Mm-hmm. This is my. In the 20s, things like uh, the Golden Bough and oh, uh, witch cults of Western Europe, even though as anthropology now been pretty much debunked a lot of it, the idea that there was a feminine cult, uh, feminine priestess cult kind mm-hmm. of captured the minds of, you know, academia and people that wanted to be pseudo academics mm-hmm. and, and so i think lovecraft hooked into that but it's got well, a strange or- origin i feel like the I, I think that's really that's a great honestly i think that's a really great way of looking at it because of how he has such like awkwardness in general and like yeah and the idea of these powerful women that are like in control of like of their rituals and their cult and their their sexuality is like a uh, kind of terrifying. I, I just do want to point out that Lovecraft explicitly defined Shabnagroth as a mother goddess in the mound. Uh, he or, okay. or Zelia Bishop, I'm not quite sure which whom, but uh, calls her the Shabnagroth, the all mother. He describes her as a, uh, 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 
Esther and uh, 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 Hellenized, uh, anyway, uh, Hellenized version of a Eastern uh, Egyptian goddess, but mm. yeah. And according to our friend Ken Height, Sharknagaroth uh, uh, is the female that appears in Lovecraft's writing the most. Oh, oh that, that makes sense, yeah. Followed by Margaret Murray who wrote The Witch Cult of Western Europe. All right. right on. So, and and I appreciate you bringing that up. But, so, but she mainly appears as in spells. Yeah. And the first appearance that she appears in is The Last Test. Yes. Do not feel bad if you've not read The Last Test. I have not read The Last Test. I am the noob of the group. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last test was originally is is a revision, and um, Lovecraft basically real uh, revised it for uh, Adelphi de Castro. With a name like that, where do you think Adelphi uh, de Castro was born? Italy, Portland, uh, no Portland, <laughs> Poland. Poland. <laughs> okay. He, he he was a Polish Jew who changed his name because he claimed that. His ancestors came from Portugal. Okay. And the original story had was completely sort of a silence science story, and he couldn't sell it. So Lovecraft rewrote it as a supernatural story, and added a uh, basically a spell cast to Shagnigara. And that's oh, wow. what we're going to find mainly in the stories. She doesn't really make an appearance I can think of any um, other than, you're right, there's a, a shrine to her in the mound. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of took over from, I think, another deity. There's a few deities like that, I feel like, in Lovecraft mythos, like, that yes. are never really um, uh, actualized or given, yeah. like... Um, uh, uh, personality other than that they're just these vague descriptive creatures or they are spell component um, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Much, much like Haster. Haster is uh, not really ever expanded upon within Lovecraft, but mentioned quite a bit. And it's taken upon by uh, Durleth and game designers and others to like kind of flesh out who Haster is. And I feel that way definitely about uh, Shabnigaroth uh, is that Shabnigaroth doesn't really have an identity other than being mentioned in these spells and incantations. And it's been like these almost like, uh, well, not almost like it has been the people who took over Lovecraft's work after Lovecraft that have tried right. to put some sort of definition to Shubnigrath, much like Haster. But, yes. yeah. Robert Price, right? Is that who um, wrote something that had... Um, I'm making sure I'm reading that. Yeah, properly. so Pr Price uh, wrote something with her, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Derleth would often throw her out just the way... Lovecraft, Lovecraft did. did. Yeah, just kind About of like... Block definitely in, uh, oh goodness, I want to say in House, no, no, uh, no, no, Notebook, 
sorry. You can't tell, but I'm eagerly raising my hand. I'll go. Oh ahead. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, notebook and found in an abandoned house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So so. Ramsey Campbell. Yes. Well. Okay. Yes, but quick back to Block. Okay. Block had these creatures that looked like what we think as Shugnugaroth. And he called them Shagos. Yeah. So they're the Shagos in the story. In the 80s, then um, uh, they're writing the Called Cthulhu game. They're reading it. And it's a great story. It's great inspiration. And they go, these aren't Shagos. So they were named Dark Young of Shugnugaroth. But they, for the game. But yeah. in the story them itself, they're called Shagos. With an A. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, a lot of where we get the clarification uh, of Shagnegorov and of the, the Dark Young. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is like a lot of what we get for the Mythos Chaosium's game in the, game in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, Shubnigroth uh, also mentioned in Out of Eons in relation to the Lost Continent of Mu. Uh, one of the main characters is a high priestess of Shubnigroth and the guardian of the, com the copper temple of the goat with a thousand young. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so Shubnigroth goes way far back into uh, pre-human history and uh, I believe is also uh, worshipped by the Migo and who knows whom else. I mean, may have been a, 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 a Vormi uh, a fertility goddess, for all as we know. Yes. But Clark well, Ashton I mean, Smith she really did didn't have... talk about... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just, just saying, well, she did have babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of them. At least a thousand. <laughs> yes. And she appears in at least one of the uh, Doctor Who novelizations. Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember which one. Do you guys hear that? They have to go. All the, ba all the baby goats in the living room are making noise right now. That's okay. All right. Sounds cool. They they, 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 they want to put in their two cents. I was going to say, they <laughs> yeah. know that you're talking about the black goat of the wood. Yeah. Millennial Rights was one of the uh, 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 Doctor Who novelizations that, that had the Elder Gods. and uh, It has uh, 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 Shag Nigaroth. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty you cool. Sorry, this is so random, but you were saying like the um, the Doctor Who reference. I was thinking about how the Cure concert, um, Simon's um, amp said Bad Wolf on it. And I was like, yay! <laughs> That's cool. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> oh, man. So if we want to go from uh, one religion, Doctor Who, to another religion, uh, uh, Christianity... Uh, the dark goat is like kind of like a symbol of like Baphomet and Satan and Pan and 
all that kind of fun stuff, which kind of like also leads into like dark fertility rites and like, uh, uh, I don't know, like I, it makes me think of like Celtic and uh, 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 Druidic uh, worship and stuff like that. Yeah, so again, here I am and we're going to get correctional letters. A oh, lot sure. of, so that, that idea of what Baphomet looks like with yeah. the goat statue. Sure. That was Ephias Levi, who is probably crazy. Okay. Um, who drew most of those pictures. Uh, it, yeah, with, you know, Christianity, uh, there's, you know, the lambs on the right hand and goats on the left hand. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. And it's not that Lovecraft, who was this absolute atheist, would not have known the writings of Ephias Levi. Mm-hmm. So definitely could have borrowed on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because Lovecraft uh, was a terrible mathematician and a uh, 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 atheist doesn't mean that his house wasn't full of religious text. <laughs> yeah, or, or or that he didn't go to the library. Yeah. Um. But definitely. Um, there would have been in the 20s goat motifs for Satan in the supernatural in the mm-hmm. 20s and the 30s. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> um, I also wanted to mention that one of my favorite video games, uh, Night in the Woods, which you play a non-binary college dropout who has to go live with their parents in their crummy Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, tiny town, and uh, try and reconnect with your friends who now have day jobs. <laughs> and it is an adventure game where at some point in time there is a black goat that is like some sort of eldritch god that That sounds familiar. You have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and your little animals, your cute animals. <laughs> what game is this? It's called A Night in the Woods. <gasps> yes. I I've played this with my um adult child. <laughs> okay. All right. This is great. This is a great book. I didn't I didn't even think about that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Wow. The people okay. that, yeah, uh, who everyone's worshiping in the town is the black goat. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. I just didn't ever put the two and two together because, again, I'm a, kind of a noob. Um, no, no, no. Like I, I mean, it took, me a little, lore. it took me a little bit to get it, too. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That sounds kind of Lovecraftian. Why did I get that? I'm supposed well, to get yeah. this stuff right away. <laughs> yeah. I don't have no idea. I'm going to like replay that game now. Oh yeah. It's fun. It's fun. I I just played it uh, again recently with the kids. They wanted to play it and I'm like, okay, well it's kind of weird in parts you guys. And they're like, we can handle it. And I'm like, all right. And no one was too traumatized. So <laughs> that's good. That yeah. That's good. And, <laughs> oh, oh, and isn't Shugnigaroth like one of the big bads in Quake? I believe so. I, I believe think so. so. Yeah. And, uh, represented uh, as a, a big three tentacled monster thing. Well, so like, is she ever described as like a fully goat? Because like most of the time, I've, everything I've seen to have read is like it's goat legs that are sticking out with like tentacles, and it's like, is that a goat? I mean, the collar of goat seems like 
that seems vague. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think the goatness comes from like kind of like Leggies. a dark fertility entity. So oh. yeah, yeah. And also I think it's hidden to or at in <laughs> um Stephen King's uh The Crouch Den. Okay. Where they, they go through like an abandoned city in London or I think it's London in England. Okay. All right. Yeah, now I can't get them to be quiet. Uh, well, now they're like super, they're super cute. They have they have thoughts on the black goat. Yes. The woods with the thousand young. <laughs> Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior? <laughs> <laughs> they thought that was funny. All right, and on that note, I think we have to switch. We have to switch uh, topics quickly. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are talking about all kinds of stuff this week. But one thing I want to talk about before we get too far, any cubic printers. The any cubic grow is now on sale for one hundred and forty nine dollars. You put it together yourself. It takes about forty five minutes, two hours put together, get it set up, print yourself out a cool little owl, get on Thingiverse, print up whatever you want. Uh, it's it's a great way to get into 3D printing and uh, a fun project for you and your family. All right. Well, thank you so much. Any cubic go. <laughs> okay. So, Gretchen, tell yeah. me about your week. Oh boy, I just got back from Colorado. Blair Myers tired. No, um, <laughs> it was a it was a great visit. A whirlwind visit with my bestie who moved out there um, like uh, last October. And so we got the opportunity to catch up and mainly our first goal was to go to see the cure together. And this is before they had released a Portland um, date. So I was like, well, I'm going to miss it. And then um, she got us tickets to go see the cure there um, at the uh, Fiddler Green. It was beautiful, magical concert. And like I said, there was a, I'm like, had a dumb moment. I was like, does that say bad wolf? (laughs) <laughs> and yes indeed apparently other nerds comply also found that as well and thought that was really funny that uh, i guess simon is a really big um um doctor who fan cool uh also uh let's see we went out to estes park which is the foothills of the rocky mountain um, national park and it's kind of like um if you take seaside and you put it in the mountains and you turn all the things that are ocean themed that you would purchase at seaside and sure. you make a mountain theme. There you go. That would be all right. Right. You, like you can find your whiskey. You can find your like your Sasquatches and your all your like puffy vest needs. But I did get two Star Trek um, Wrath of Khan glasses from Taco Bell from 1985. Just like of course it. you did. I did. I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, and then I went to Meow Wolf, which is oh. this. How to explain? It was a art installation that is a, a permanent exhibition. Um, there are three of them. I think there is a fourth one coming up in Texas now, but there's one in Colorado, one in um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and one in Vegas. Um, it was the the theme. I guess to use a broad term would be that this was the Planet Conversion Station. Because everyone kept saying, like, this is a Planetary Express, or um, the staff would walk up to me and say, thank you for dressing up for coming to our planet, because I was dressed up, dressed kind of fancy and whatnot. And uh, 
each section was done by a different artist or artist collective that um, it ranged for everything from like a space station um, feeling like it was Japanese with the art of future fantasy delight all the way to this like annihilation-esque uh, mushroom takeover that seemed to be organically weaving its way through the entire building. Ooh. Like you would find mushrooms and um, pieces of um, echoing back to you and reflecting back to you of um, like uh, structures and like crystalline structures that would like echo your voice throughout mm -hmm. the oh, wow. entire place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, they were, some of them would reflect your image back to you. It was really bizarre. And I, I mean, I can, I could go on and on. I, I put a lot of, I put a lot of pictures on my Instagram. I don't think I have had the opportunity to post everything because it was so much and it was so special. And I encourage everyone to go because this is so interesting and uh, hard to articulate because you have, there are storylines that you follow and you can do a virtual scavenger hunt with a, um, a, a little card called the Q pass. Mm -hmm, and what mm -hmm. you do is you boop the screen and it will give you like, um, uh, it gives you tasks. There's, um, there, one of the storylines is that there is a, a memory, um, storm that is stealing people's memories and some Ooh. organization is at the, at the root of it and that you want to go through and collect these memories and build them together so that you're creating a more structured memory um, system. It, it, like I said, it was it was really strange. Wow, that sounds really really fun. That sounds it was really so really much fun. cool. There were so many weird little like nooks and crannies. Like one area, there was all these spaces on the wall, and there was a hole in the wall, and I climbed through the hole, and it opened up into a room of stars. <laughs> I, it was, I was like, whoa. I mean, I, I've literally the whole time was like, wow, wow, wow. I sound like Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> like, so blown away. Like, I can't even go in and up. I, we spent four hours there. We could have spent more. I feel like we didn't see everything. And then in the dead center of – not even in the dead center, but like in this off-adjacent area, mm -hmm. there was a cathedral. Mm. And you played the um, – I want to call it um, – uh, the organ, but it wasn't an organ. It had like longer, um, like keys that you pulled down and, uh, you were, um, kind of, and you're kind of dealing with these like entities, these kind of space entities. And one of them kind of had a Baphomet slash black go to the wood, just saying young kind mm -hmm. of vibe. And, uh, it just looked like every aspect of that was like this worship and, like I said, it also had this like annihilation aspect to it. And then there was a, um, off to adjacent to the cathedral in this cavern was a, uh, like, I don't how to like a, like a throne, but it was made of, you were aligning the stars to create a vortex on the ceiling and it was just wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's the best I could do to describe it. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Yeah. It was so good. How about your week? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, I know you went to the Portland Horror Film Festival, right? Yes. I went to the Portland Horror Film Festival. I, uh, let's see, the last day of the Portland Horror Film Festival, I discovered a curiosity shop 
that's on 12th and Clinton that was closed, but it looked amazing on the inside. Mm. Oh, cool. I also walked past a 12-foot-tall, 20-foot-tall plastic werewolf. As well. That was amazing. Did you uh, um, see the film I did voiceover work in? I don't know which one that was. Oh, The Haunted Baby Carriage. No, I didn't get a chance to see oh, it's, that it's one. So <laughs> I'm going to try and hop on that one this weekend and uh, get a chance to watch it. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I only caught a few. I only caught a few. I caught a Chilean uh, movie called Invoking Yell. Okay which was about a woman who is a videographer working with a Chilean black metal band consisting of two brujas who mm. take their videographer out to the woods. Uh, badness ensues. Uh, another That's one I watched was based off of internet shorts, and it was Onyx something something and the Talisman of Sacrifice or something like that. Oh, it, it was funny. It, it it won like the People's Choice Award at the the festival. Uh, I saw a few shorts here and there. They were all kind of spooky. I saw the tail end of a uh, short that was uh, written by partially by Lucy and Danny DeVito. Uh, there was a lot of just amazing, amazing films. There was so much. It, uh, first uh, few days took place at the Hollywood, and the last couple of days took place at the Clinton Street Theater. Oh, cool. uh, known for showing Rocky Horror Picture continuously, even during yeah. the pandemic. And they just didn't have people in the theater. And the Hollywood Theater, which is uh, so nice, they named a district after it. Yeah, for truth. Yeah, as Dave will tell you. And yeah, no, it was it was really great working with uh, Brian and Gwen Callahan and all the other volunteers at the uh, Portland Horror Festival. Uh, besides myself, and yeah, we had a, a great time, and yeah, it was really neat. And um, yeah, it was it was five days. I was there from. The very, very beginning to the very, very end. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. You, David, no, I, anything? What's that? How about you, David? No, I, w I spent the weekend with those things in the living room right now. <laughs> the uh -huh. thousand young. <laughs> Are you feeling oh. better, though? That's good. Oh, yeah. That's oh, good. That's good. All right. Well, on to the next segment, everyone. All right, boss. <laughs> and I get if just you can cut this out. Uh, if we're gonna go much over thirty minutes, I'm gonna stop and then I can get back on. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I. I we're just gonna talk about Angel's Egg, and then okay. we are done. Okay. Right on. All right. So the next segment. I, I really don't know what to say. It's 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 like watching the anime version of uh, Chin Andalusia. Um, it's it was an art film that I didn't feel like I understood. Yeah, I don't think it's intended to be. I think it's supposed to be multiple metaphors. Okay. 
because it's like I, I didn't understand the context of 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 the metaphors, but I thought it was a beautiful film. Yeah, Tenshi no Tamago, the Angel's Egg. Uh, yeah, it's directed by um, Mamoru um, Oshii. He also did um, Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Yeah. So that you'll have those moments that are very um, mirroring moments in Ghost in a Shell, like mm-hmm. um, where she's touching her um, future self in water and then the falling of like uh, uh, white feathers. Those are very both images that are very captured, captured in both movies. Pretty yeah. intensely. Um, this is from like the artist that did. Uh, he does all the Final Fantasy art. He does. He mm-hmm. did Vampire Hunter D. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I mean, just Speed Racer. The, yeah. He has like a giant long um, list of ability, like list of like art and work. I mean, everything. I have an art book from um, Amano that's like uh, about with all the the art from um, Sandman comics. Like he did a okay. few issues oh, of okay. Sandman. Interesting. But I think that intentionally this was left kind of vague because even Oshi himself will now say that the this film wasn't he doesn't really know exactly what it means. But there's mm-hmm. so many different themes. Obviously, it's a very much like um, Christian metaphors are really big on it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. pretty obviously with the main um, male character having a carrying a cross. Yeah, 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 and that 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 also, also- remind me of uh chin andalusia i don't know if you're familiar with it's mm-hmm. it's 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 best known for the 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 uh art film where a woman gets her eye cut with a straight razor oh um and then it like fades into the you know the the clouds slicing through the moon but it's like a trick shot and uh there's a lot of religious uh louis brunel i want to say i i'm terrible with names uh, there's a lot of Christian imagery. Uh, there's a lot of reference to Christianity and also like just daily life and a combination of them. And there's oh. certain elements of this that really made me think of that, how not like Christ as a figure or Christ as a protagonist, but worship as a protagonist, like how one worships and how ones relate to deatific uh, feelings and entities in a daily life, but also with kind of like uh, there's 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 this fantasy feeling about it that isn't necessarily fantastical, but it's more like the energy of the beings is the best way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that described anything, but... <laughs> and, and there are Japanese Christians. I have known Japanese Christians. Oh, sure. But, but yeah. that's not the you know, primary religion of Japan. They don't have to be as kit gloves when they portray it mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. they maybe Americans feel they might have to be. It's not... All right. They, they can be more... Not critical, but more literal. Not even, li- but more, more, you know, story driven. They're sure. Not, they're not. It's not a, you know, sacred cow to them to steal from mm-hmm. another religion. Yeah. yeah, like I felt like the religious overtones in this were 
over the head. Like you were, it was very obvious. Like there was no joke. Like he tells the story of Noah's Ark, but kind of a deviated version of it. Yeah. Not deviant, but deviated. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, and no. I also, I've read a few theories about like certain aspects of the film. Like one of the theories is that the shuttering of her egg, when he crushes the cross down on her egg, that was the, um, the loss of her faith in her innocence. And that's why she screams like that. There are a lot of things. And then there's other ideas that she's, um, this is the, we becoming, becoming a woman and, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack, but also not be completely. I feel like I, I, I kind of took this in as a, a beautiful piece of art that has some, um, of religious um, imagery, but for mm-hmm. the most part, it's um, just something to experience and to watch as a these two fantastic artists like get to work together. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was a visual treat by uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, you have and... these beautiful landscape pieces and wandering, and then like the eye with the the floating spaceship eye that has these praying statues on it and then also as it pulls away it looks like a all-seeing eye yeah it's 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 fascinating just interesting stuff and oh yeah i think that there's definitely a movie where you know you take out of it what you take out of it and everybody Mm -hmm. takes something different totally but i would definitely see that i saw mary motifs in the girl absolutely yeah well, she was protecting, she was a mothering that egg. Um, and she her it, faith that the egg would would make it and that the egg would be a bird inside. She had absolute faith, just like Mary. Yeah, yeah. And it was her child, but it wasn't her child. Exactly. Exactly. I I feel that I very much so. Her after the egg is smashed and she's um running after him and falls into the ravine. There's that moment where she's um, hitting the water and then she's like reflecting back to herself as her, as her older self or more mature self. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. she kind of runs her hand along her body. It's like that, that makes you wonder like, was, was this a questioning of her fertility? And then of course, then she, as she like dies, she spits up eggs. Yeah. (laughs) And what I, what I thought, was beautifully drawn but i don't quite understand it is when she hits the water the the reflection in her kiss yeah mm-hmm. it, oh no, um oh she does that again in um in ghost in the shell when uh makoto or oh, the, the, major. the major motoko yeah Okay, Matoko, I'm my Makoto Matoko. Um, she is like when she's deep diving and yeah. her self comes as she's greeting herself as her body emerges out of the water, they kiss as well. Okay. It's just so cool. I just love Oishi's work. <laughs> also, it, it's so close to the word yummy that's hard for me to like keep saying because it's oishi is delicious Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then oshi is his name (laughs) now i've heard that this has a bigger fan base in the united states than it does in japan that wouldn't surprise me and we like our overtones and Mm -hmm. there's another version that they made for the united states what so that there's something called aftermath 
Oh yeah, the live action version. Yeah. Okay. So that is a lot. I, I just heard yeah, it's it, like it uses it. like the skeleton of the story, but like the wasteland kind of aspects and like so yeah. that's what the aftermath is. Okay. okay. Yeah, I read about it, but I hadn't seen it. And I'm okay. You sound it. I mean, I, I was like, this is Angel's Egg. Okay. <laughs> like. But I think that was released first in the U.S. and then Angel's Egg was released. I'm not sure of that. But. Huh. Um, Angel's Egg never had a proper American release. Interesting. But, but it had a DVD release, maybe question, maybe not. Yeah. I I'm not it would, sure. It would be nice to have like a like I would wish the Criterion collection would get it because the Blu-ray, um, the Japanese Blu-ray is beautiful. So it'd be really nice to get um a version of that through the Criterion mm-hmm. collection because it could use the the rescue, I feel like. Um, I actually went to the, uh, cause there's like a bunch of people who are trying to get this, um, put onto Criterion. You can uh-huh. go to suggestions at criterion.com or something like that. Yeah, all right. And you can suggest films that should be rescued. And one of them people are really trying to get is this one. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, something so- I, I was, I, I didn't know that this had been, uh, at least attempted in, uh, live action but something i was thinking while watching this is like the closest thing that i've ever seen to this movie in live action with uh besides besides uh chin andalusia of course is like el topo and holy mountain from uh alejandro yadorowski oh definitely i could see what you mean by that which are just like catholic oh, like just like okay we've got this giant thing of pig's blood that says catholic overtones and the movies carry (laughs) okay it's just like well uh, it has that like um like the also has a like you could mix it with yodorowsky's films as well as like that um because like his version of dune that he wanted to do that would have been something but like that has that vibe as well as like have you ever seen the movie um the island of uh, forgotten children i think is what it's called that french one. Oh, oh city city of lost children city of lost children that's it that's yeah. it so that has a very like this vibe yes very much so very much so yeah it's i feel like it's one of those films that influence as much as it takes it's like it's part of the scape of movies it's like it's got something for you and it took something from someone else but it's like I don't know. It's 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 if I was to have like overt Christian overtone film festivals, this would be in it and it would be people would go, oh, this is nice. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have anything a little bit else more about that movie in the aftermath is that they're the, so the thing when I say it's like a skeleton of that film, it's like because mm-hmm. they have like the main characters walking around with like an egg and the, there's an irradiated earth like and it's two people and there's a soldier and one of them is trying to scavenge for supply. So it's like, like I said, the skeleton of the story that's of of Angel's Egg is very is influenced in that in the and aftermath. There's a doctor, oh. isn't there? I think so. Hmm. <laughs> I love that we can hear the goats in the background. I oh, mean, yeah. supposedly they they use like um found like footage of um the angels egg, but I don't remember that just because maybe it was so long ago. Yeah. This was like something I saw on like a rental or something like that, like a VHS um 
one of the VHS nights that I've gone to a few times. All right. The other thing I liked was the centipede tank. <laughs> yeah. Some people are like, that's a penis. <laughs> oh, I, I know, that. right? I'm like, I don't see that, but okay. I mean, any more than any other gun. But like, you yeah. know what I mean? But people are saying like his, the man's um, coming, the man comes and he's on a, on a penis tank and he's carrying a cross. It's like really overt people try to use that um, <laughs> uh, metaphor. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone could say all tanks symbolize penis. So sure. whatever. <laughs> and isn't though, isn't there a lot of, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we can take this out. Isn't there a lot of phallic symbolism in Japanese folk religion? A lot of um, phallic stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's like Shinto gods that are like um, basically penises. Yeah. And I think there's like a yokai that looks like a like a like a really bad foreskin or something like that. There's there's yeah, I think there's a couple of uh, wiener based yokai because ah, wieners are funny. <laughs> Aren't they? I mean, I think they're hilarious. No, <laughs> no, no. Just like there's, there's, there's like yokai centered around butts. Like, oh, uh -oh yeah. look at that yokai. They've got an eyeball in their butthole. <laughs> Gives all new meaning to brown eye. Just saying. Exactly. Jokes, <laughs> folks. Uh oh, we're about to lose our uh, everyone rating. Right, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. I'm making the jokes too. Um, yeah, oh, uh, totally unrelated, but something I watched last night, just to wrap things up, maybe move things up, I watched The Day After Tomorrow yesterday. Oh. The 1983 post-apocalyptic yeah, that's ABC drama. movie. Yeah. Isn't that where the kids' feet, like, roll up or something like that? Like the, somebody's got like they got like a they got irradiated, and this is like what we're gonna see is what happens when you've been poisoned by radiation. Is oh, that what I it think is? that's the day after. Oh, yes. <laughs> the day after. The day after. I think is this the one where the world freezes? Oh no no no! Uh, this is this is. Uh, oh no no! This is the one that's like 1983. It's like uh, uh, Steve Gutenberg's in it and. Uh, the guy who played Holly in uh, Northern Exposure. <laughs> Why did you let like... me go on about that? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> That's so funny. What is it about? It is uh, pretty much like uh, a town in Kansas that uh, is really close to the Minuteman missiles. And like, th like yeah. there's a marriage about to happen and there's yeah, all this that's, stuff. That's the day and... after. Yeah, okay. The, the day after. Okay. And yeah, I saw it first run. We talked about it in my biology class. The next yeah, day. I remember watching it in school. Yeah, we never watched it in school. <laughs> but wow. you know that that's based on an English movie. Okay. Called Threads. Interesting. Which is Ten times worse. Okay. So I remember being kind of, am I wrong? I like, remember being traumatized by this. Was this like, um, like this is what happens when you've been, um, when a nuclear bomb has gone off near you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence pretty much Kansas. everyone, everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like, I don't think, 
there's it's it's everyone's left kind of like we don't know what happens to them or they die or yeah no it's it's not a movie where your your favorite person lives <laughs> oh so it's not a feel-good family film i mean i no. feel like i've seen this at school maybe not at school maybe i saw it at like uh like when i was in college or something i yeah. don't know yeah no no it's it's like yeah, i feel it's, like i was doing like a dissertation about it or something like yeah. that and, and, and like at the end is like this is a possible future. Write your Congress people and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Oh yeah, it was totally yeah. like a scare film. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it had some effect on on policy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it? Yeah, I mean, as much as anything in the eighties had effect on policy. <laughs> Scared the hell out of a lot of kids, from what I understand. But yeah. <laughs> That's where I. That's the first place I ever came across a an EMP where it knocked out all the cars. Yeah, yeah. That's the first uh, time that, like, looking back at it, that's the first time I can think of that ever happening in a movie or a TV show for sure. Oh, wild. Yeah. But yeah, at no. The, at the at the end, there's Morse code that spells out "mad," mutual assured <laughs> destruction. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember that. Wow. Anyway, it's 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 free on YouTube somewhere, <laughs> and it kind of goes along with the, uh, the apocalyptic thematic theming yeah. from um, Angel's Egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, after I watched Angel's Egg the other day, it popped up in my uh, YouTube stream next. I'm like, well, hey, might as well. <laughs> no kidding. That was a cheery viewing. Oh yeah, I love post-apocalyptic stuff though. Uh, all right. Well, on that cheery note, everyone, thank you so much for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's been Gretchen and Dave and me, DB, wishing you all a great week, a great weekend. Uh, we're super glad you were here. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter that we don't use, and of course, pgttcm.com. Anything you two wanted to say before we head on out? Happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day, everybody. Oh, yeah, God. happy Father's Day, you guys. Cool. Father's Day. It's a thing. It's all a right. Thing. We'll, we'll see you all next week where we're talking about. Oh, I have a list right here. We're talking about Should, Mel, and Dune, 1984's Dune. Yes. So, yeah, one of my favorite movies to watch while folding uh, on. I, I think I'm seeing a theme there. <laughs> don't spoil it we might also have to watch Beetlejuice so we can get more sandworms in there okay <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll see you all next week everyone see you next week bye bye that was a good episode yeah I know it was short but it was good yeah, well, sorry yeah, about the no. goats but oh no the goats were fitting I feel like like I said they know the thousand young <laughs> uh-huh. yes. oh yeah all right, gentlemen, I'm going to take off. I'm going to finish cooking my chili. Have okay, a rad one. I'll talk to you all later. All right. Take care. Here. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey, everyone. It's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars bass guitars, mandolins, 
They've got saxophones, trumpets, drums. They've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. Radio.